Amen. Great to be with y'all again this morning. He, she, his. How about that? This should be fun. Let me just review last week quickly. Last week we said God created, uh, that he made you, if you're a man or a woman, in his own image. We use a little phrase called IOG. That's not a phrase. It's just a way to shorten it up to, re- to remind me what it means. We defined marriage as one mortal life fully shared between a man and a woman. And then we said male and female, God created them. So there's two distinct, these days the words gender, it used to be sexes, uh, two distinct sexes um, that are equal, absolutely equal, and yet uh, really different. So we decided to take uh, seven weeks to talk he, she, his because it's such a big-time topic in our world today, and it's one where we really want to go back to the Bible and uh, look to it for our guidance. And last week, we took those four things that I just mentioned, and we said these are, these are pylons to the truth about God. Now, if you believe God created, then you believe that by faith, unless you were there. And I'm pretty sure none of y'all were there. A couple of y'all might have been, but like, like when he created, we take that by faith because we weren't there. And then we build on top of that, made in the image of God, marriage, and uh, male and female. And so we put these doors on the stage, which may make some of y'all nervous, um, and for some of y'all, you might be a little afraid of what could come out of my mouth because those doors are on the stage. Please don't be. What we really wanted to encourage one another to do would be open to conversation. Been amazing conversation in small groups this week. I've had great questions as people sorting through this issue of male and female and how does it work out and what's the definition of marriage and if we're made in the image of God, what does that mean for my children and if God created, then what? There's all these questions going on and certainly there's a variety of answers out there and what we're trying to do is go back to the Bible and see what the Bible says. The truth is you either believe the Bible or you don't and if you don't, then, then you can say what you want to about this. Uh, one of my favorite authors is a guy named A.W. Tozer. He lived, uh, he, he, he lived in the 1900s. He died in, I think, the 60s. Uh, he says this, God's gifts uh, now take the place of God, and the whole course of nature is upset by the monstrous substitution. So he gave us these gifts. He gave us this gift of male and female. He designed it like that. He gave us this gift, and, and then when we take over it and we try to redefine it on our own, it kind of... It kind of throws the world into a disorder. You define marriage and how it's supposed to look between a man and a woman. And when we take the definition, put it in our own, and, and we take something like sex and put that at the top and say that's the ultimate, then we, we work our way down the road toward that and it just throws everything off. It's, it's, it's a substitution, but it throws everything off course. We spent a bunch of time talking about that last week and So what we decided to do in our series is to try to hold uh, God's creation high. So for the next three Sundays, we're going to hold biblical masculinity or male high. This is what what he might look like. And the next three, and ladies, if you're here for these three, you better be back for the last three, right? That's a deal. That's like it's a a six-week package. You can't just come to the the three about men and then not come back to the three about women. And, And part of the deal is, ladies, we talked about this last week, is no elbowing, 
during this service. No deep sighing. We all know what you're doing, right? And then some of y'all, this is what you do. You go, honey, it's okay. You, 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 you don't have to listen to this. I like what we got. You can't do that either. Don't, don't baby him. Like, he don't want that. He wants to sit here. We like to sit here. Men in the room, we like to sit here and just shoot it straight, right? And then if it hurts, it hurts, and we go home. My sons were like, could you please stop talking, just whoop my butt, please, <laughs> right? Like, like and, and Mariah's like, can we have a long conversation before there's any other activity? Like, let's, let's get this, but we're going to shoot it straight, and ladies, you get uncomfortable, don't, don't, don't do anything. Just sit there quiet, keep your hands tight, all right? Like, that's what we're going to do. I'll pray for y'all, because y'all need prayer right now. <laughs> Jesus, we... Uh, we want to hold your creation high and thus hold you high. You know us, Lord, male and female in this room, and we, shoot, Lord, we've, we've messed up much of what you had designed. Every one of us in our own way have uh, disobeyed you. We've, we've gone and made ourselves the center so many times. It's, it's truly amazing that you have enough grace for us. That's for every man and woman in here, every seat taken, some uh, child. We, we, uh, we're thankful for your grace. We celebrate you and recognize we could talk about something like this and try to reorient uh, ourselves around your design. And we thank you for your patience. Please be with us as we talk in Jesus' name. Amen. So I sent my youngest, Malachi, to college. It's actually a prep school. Um, it's in Missouri. It's in the Ozarks, so it's 14 hours away. Uh, we put him in the car. It's a 2008 Honda Accord, right? It's got 210,000 miles on it. What could go wrong? I mean, nothing, nothing should go wrong. It's a Honda. It runs forever. So six hours into the 14-hour drive, I get a phone call. This is on partner night. Some of y'all that were at the partner night, I get a phone call from Malachi, and he says, I'm six hours. He drove six hours without stopping. That's what I'm talking about. That's what we do in my family. He's about out of gas, so he pulls into the gas station six hours into the drive, and he's like, Dad, it won't start. I'm like, what do you mean it won't start? You just drove six hours. It don't just don't start after six hours. And so I talk him through, a little annoyed, like, it's going to start. It doesn't start. I go, well, go in the building, get somebody to come out there and jump you. I'll put some jumper cables in there. So he does that, multiple jumps, no, no luck. I try everything I can think of. We can't find the starter. Some of you old guys like me, you remember when the starter didn't work on your car, you get up there and hit it with a hammer and start it. Hondas, you can't get to that, Rascal, right? I'm like, like you're probably going to break something if you try to hit it. But I'm talking him through. He's trying to figure it out. So eventually I got to call roadside. They come to the gas station. And I go, Malachi, put them on the phone. I just want them to jump the car. And I do not want them to take you to a, to a mechanic because they're going to steal everything we have, right? So he puts, the, he puts, he's in West Alabama. Now, when I can't understand somebody's accent, that's an accent. <laughs> so I go, let me talk to the, to the daggum, and I'm a little annoyed. Uh, uh, tow truck driver, he puts her on the phone, and she has an accent that is just awesome, right? Like she goes to talking and, and calling me, yes, sir, very polite. I'm like, is she like 17? She sounds like a very young lady driving this tow truck. And finally, Malachi gets, <laughs> he goes, Dad, she was 21. I go, well, she knew her stuff. She said, I know a shop right down the road, five minutes. And I said, no, 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 just jump it. We're going to get it on the road. He's going to drive it all the way to school without stopping until <laughs> it runs out of gas. <laughs> and we're going to get it fixed there. She says, sir, I can't, I can't get it started. And so turns out it's the starter. 
and uh, he gets it over to the mechanic. It was this amazing moment for a dad with his son. So he's at the mechanic. They're open on Saturday. I don't know why. They're open on Saturday, and I'm like, son, look, this dude needs to like you within the next hour. Or he's going to take everything you want. He worked for Calamus this summer and cut grass, so he earned a bunch of money to be able to pay all his bills. But I'm like, that starter is going, it's got a variety of costs right now. And he gets to choose which one it is because you don't know. (laughs) And I'm not there. So he needs to like you and you need to act like you know what you're doing. So he follows through. And sure enough, like, just like out of the movies, the phone doesn't work. Like, at the, wherever the garage is, the phone doesn't work. So I'm calling him, trying to give him some advice, and I can't give it to him. And he's sorting the whole situation out. He, he finally, he gets us back after the partner meeting, the whole partner meeting. I'm wondering, what in the world is he doing in the middle of West? He's still got eight hours to drive. So he, he, what is he doing there? So finally we get the call. He got it fixed, $331. I'm like, let's go. That boy, he got it done. And then he drove eight hours to the school, got there at 2 a.m. and moved in. That's what I'm talking about. That's my boy. He had to step up and take responsibility. I was going to try to help him. Don't, ladies, I was trying to help him. The phone didn't work. But he took responsibility, he figured it out, and he got it done. So we're at the partner night, and I'm kind of sharing this story. It's not done yet because Malachi's stuck multiple guys I walk up to, and this big smile comes up on their face. Like, here we go. <laughs> Put your big, four, big boy pants on now. You, you know, your daddy can't cover for you. Your mama can't cover you. You got to figure it out. Everybody's like, why, why are all the men in, at partner night celebrating that? What is that? One of the guys had the nerve to ask me. He said, hey, what if that was Mariah? I'm, I said, well, y'all be doing this partner night without me. I'd be... I'd be there by now. We see how fast you can get to West Kentucky, I mean, West Alabama, all the same, West Alabama. And, and I, I'm, what, what is that? Does that bother you? Because Mariah can handle her business. If you met my daughter Mariah, she can handle her business. She, she wants to handle her business, but she also loved to have me come through in those moments. Does that bother y'all? There's something to that. Where everybody's excited that Malachi's broke down on the road, at least the guys are, because he's going to have to figure this out, because he's going to have to learn to take responsibility. Nobody can bail him out. If Mariah's broke down on the side of the road, Mariah's super capable of taking responsibility, but everybody's excited that I would drive out there and get her. They want to steal that from us. The beauty of that difference of uh, my daughter and my son. Now, This doesn't say anything about capability or skill or capacity. Just says a little something about about design. We're going to work off this definition. Russell made me have have a definition. We're going to talk about it. Russell wants a definition, so I'm going to read it. It's got big words in it. So when Russell preaches, he'll tell you what it means. All right, now I'm teasing. This is a great definition. We worked on it the other day. It's one that Kirkland, one of our staff people, is one that he works off, and we all decided to use it for the next three weeks. Biblical masculinity is the glad assumption of sacrificial responsibility. I need to say that a few times because there's some, they're great words, but we're going to have to unpack them a little bit. Biblical masculinity is the glad assumption of sacrificial responsibility, and probably the key word in there is responsibility. You ever had that? You can say this to anybody. How about you take responsibility? Y'all say it like that? We don't say take authority. That sounds a little different, doesn't it? 
Take authority sounds like aggressive and like I want to dominate, but taking responsibility means that I'm, I'm actually willing for this to be my fault. I'm willing to show it tons of attention, keep my eyes on it. At the end of the day, it'll be my fault if it doesn't work. Take responsibility doesn't sound that fun. $331 didn't sound great to Malachi, but it sounded way better than $652. He, he, he took responsibility, handled his business in that moment, and as, as all the men in the room are excited because we want him to learn to take responsibility because someday he may have to take some responsibility for something far greater than a starter. Biblical masculinity is the glad assumption of sacrificial responsibility. So what would be the opposite of responsibility? Being passive. Olaying all responsibility. You tell, you tell you what I hate when a football player or a basketball player comes off the court and they have their hands up. Anybody? Like, I'm ready to lose my mind when you're like, it's not my fault. It's like this little whiny, like, we're a team. You, you, you did screw up. Just because you said my bad doesn't mean it wasn't your fault. Like, just own it. There's, <laughs> what, I, what I think we've lost a little bit, man, is the joy of owning it, the tension of owning it. A lot of our society has turned into whiners, and we, we get in our little circles, and we complain about our boss, and we complain about our wife, and we cl- complain about the weak, and we look weak. You know why? Because we are weak. When you got to deflect responsibility, then, then you really just end up being this whiner. Tony Evans says it like this. These things rule him because he has lost sight of his own spiritual authority. Rather than being the head, he's become the tail, being wagged every which way by life's storms. So there's this temptation to find somebody to blame, to, to at least deflect blame to, from the ownership of the responsibility that God's placed on, on our backs. By the end of this, I hope you hear that this responsibility given to us by God is a gift. It's a gift he trusted us with. Uh, I, there's a couple country songs that are driving me nuts. They're, they're a few years old, but there's a song where the guy sings, and he's singing holy, holy, holy. You heard this? He's singing holy, 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 and he's singing about this girl, evidently, who's not his wife. But he's singing, like, by the way, ladies, a dude ever sings holy, 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 you run as fast as you can. You call one of us, we'll talk to him. Like, that dude is a loser, right? Because he's got to worship you to fix his life. You don't be around somebody that needs you to fix his life. He needs to have his life fixed so he has the right to be around you, right? Like, you want somebody that's got it together. And, and if you know Jesus, you want him singing holy, holy, holy to the Lord God, not to you. He ain't got no chance of blessing you. He needs you just to survive. What a loser, right? And then this Kelsey Ballerini, and, and we debated this. This, this is not a theological debate, right? But we did debate this in the office. Uh, she sings a song called Peter Pan that I am like, if, if anybody ever sings that to one of my sons, boy, I'm a... I can't tell you what might happen, but this, this she, she sings this song. I'm going to read you a couple lines because it's just embarrassing. She says, you're just a lost boy. First of all, boy bothers me a little bit. With your, with your head up in the clouds. I know some of y'all love this song. That's why I want to pick on it. You're just a lost boy. Never keep your feet on the ground. And then get down in the, cor- uh, in the verses a little bit. She says, you'll never grow up. You're never going to be a man. 
How is that a compliment? Why is she hanging around this guy? Why does she keep letting him come back into her life? Well, a couple of the ladies in her office are like, no, she doesn't like him. She's saying that he, he's, he's not, that she's kind of pushing him away. I'm like, I see one line in there that says push away. A whole rest of the songs keeps hoping he's become a man, but keeps allowing him in her presence when he's just a boy. Our whole world, you don't have to turn TV on, but for a few minutes. I saw this picture of um, Barney Five. Barney Five. I'm in a barbecue restaurant. They got Barney Five up on the wall, and it says, man up, right? And all I think of, Barney, dude, you've been going out with Thelma Lou for like 40 years. How about manning up and making a commitment, right? Our whole, our whole world screams, fellas, for us to act passive. I'm not sure why, but I'm fairly convinced that the enemy is taking another shot at the truths established by God in Genesis, where God gave us responsibility and he expected us to deliver on it. Let me read you uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. It's going to be interesting. Listen to it. This is out of NLT. The head of every man is Christ. The head of women is man. And the head of Christ is God. Just a flat statement about how the world turns, authority. Now, I don't love the NLT's translation there. As a matter of fact, if you ever want to hear, hear something funny, hear Tony Evans talk about this particular passage. Let, let me give you to you how the New American Standard, which is more accurate than the NLT, actually adds one really important word in there, ladies. He says, uh, and I'm just going to read you just, just the one part. He says, that the head of every man is Christ, so there's this authority structure. And then, and I love that he says every, and then he says the head of a woman is a man. He adds that one article, a. <laughs> By the way, fellas, see what happens if you try to exert any kind of authority over Cheryl Reeves. I just, I, I want to be there to watch, <laughs> right? Like, like I have responsibility for Cheryl, you don't. It says a woman, not for women. That doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't outline chauvinism where men dominate the world and they're over women. It actually, it actually speaks that God's over every man, all of mankind for that matter. But then he establishes the home. And the head of a woman is a, the head of a woman is a man. And then a beautiful part of that verse, we're talking about the son of God, the one that we worship every Sunday, Jesus. And the head of Christ is God. So the Trinity actually works out in the same way that we work out when you see man and woman as we interact with one another and how we interact in the home it's supposed to be a, because we're made in the image of God to reflect the Trinity and the beauty of its love relationship and togetherness. Not supposed to be anything other than that. Let me read you a little bit out of Genesis because what we like to do is over the course of the next three weeks, take that definition and uh, unpack it with three simple words. So when we say uh, that we, a glad assumption of sacrificial responsibility, I, just for a minute, I want you to think about gladly. There's an attitude there. When we, we use these words, uh, provide, protect, and pursue, fellas, there's this idea that you want to do that. Like I, I gladly provide, protect, and pursue, and I don't know if you caught that word in there, sacrificially. Like, my responsibility is to be second. So I provide, and I protect, and I pursue. Well, let's just, today we're going to take a few minutes and uh, talk about provision. 
what it looks like to provide. I'm going to read you a little bit out of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. This is verse 4. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains uh, were growing on the earth, for the Lord God had not yet sent rain or water to the earth. And there were no people to cultivate the soil, which is really interesting to me. I hadn't paid attention to that before. There's no people yet. So God kind of makes it run on its own. No people yet to cultivate the soil. So actually it says instead, so God, God orchestrated the springs come up from the ground and water all the land. Instead of man being involved, it just runs. He paints the picture. There's a tree. There's, there's an orange tree. There's, there's all this, these things he's created. And then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. These days, we want to know what color the dust is because we're so stupid, right? It's a garden. I'm pretty sure the dust wasn't that color. Wasn't nothing growing that, that color of sand. We, we have this, we're debating today on what color the soil was that God created man. We're all made in the image of God. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. So you see God forming this man out of dust, becomes this form. And then the amazing line, he breathes life into man's nostrils. Back to the image of God statement. He, uh, he brings us to life like no other part of creation. We're unique and special in that we carry his image. Another translation instead of we became a living person says we became a living soul with the capacity to have a relationship with God. You and me, ladies and fellas, we were brought onto the planet with the capacity to have a relationship with God. <laughs> I don't know. When I meet great people, I get a little nervous sometimes. Malachi's at this prep school. He had 11 D1 coaches at practice the other day looking at all the players. Like it just makes you nervous having important people in your presence. And this passage says, I was made with the capacity to have relationship with God. And if you unpack Genesis, Adam and Eve are actually walking with God in the garden. That's how we were made. Let's go. Who else should rule creation except for those that were made to walk with God and to even be like God because we were made in his image? I have a living soul and then the fall comes we'll get to that next week in chapter three and we're separated from god and we celebrate every sunday the grace of jesus christ on the cross which actually gives us the potential if you believe and if you haven't well we want to talk to you if you believe in the broken body of christ and his shed blood and that that would save you from your your sins and reunite you with god you're designed to walk in relationship with God from the very beginning and then, and then he redeems it at the cross. And here we are on the planet right now in the Midlands, men and women, here we are as his representatives able to communicate with him on a daily basis. That's why the Bible calls us priests. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and there he placed a man he had made, just a man first. So far, the Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground. The trees were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Verse 15, the Lord God placed man in the garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you will surely die. 
And then the Lord God said, it's good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is right for him. Do you see it? He creates Adam out of the dust. He creates in him a living soul so that he could interact with God. And then he drops him in the garden and gives him tremendous responsibility. He's got the garden to take care of. By verse 18, he's got a beauty to help tend the garden with him. All of that's on Adam right there in, in the beginning. He gives him the ability to create. And here in just a few minutes, God's creating animals. And what this, he involves Adam in the process. He says, hey, what, what you want to call that? Let's call that an elephant. Hey, what you want to call that? That's a squirrel. Daggum squirrels in my attic. Anyway, like, like he just goes, he, he's naming with God. He gives, he made Adam in his own image so he can create like God. He's creating names. Not powerful like God, but in his image. And he gives him all this responsibility. I got to see this in action on Thursday. Men from Radius Church that I know, uh, acting like they're under the authority of God, just, just as they go. It was fun. Thursday, I had to do this message on video, so I did it in here by myself, which is not near as much fun as this. And it was amazing. I went to a lunch with a friend who goes here to Radius, and I sat at a table with him, and he's got this new responsibility on his job. And just to hear him work through how he's going to hold up under that responsibility and at the same time while carrying that responsibility, care for his family. Had to go to the doctor, which made me feel really weak. I hate going, no offense, doctors. I just hate seeing y'all because it makes me feel like I don't work anymore. And uh, it, it was this great contrast to see somebody carrying his responsibility and then, and then me struggling with my identity a little bit because I, my body's not working exactly right and getting it checked out. And then, and then I went to a court case right over here in Lexington where there's, there's a 40-year-old guy that's been a part of Radius for the last two years. Two years ago, he got caught with a huge amount of meth in his car. And so he's been waiting trial in the process. He believed in Jesus. He plugged into a program we have over at Radius White Knoll and got his GED. He's uh, been a part of Alcoholics Anonymous. He goes daily. And you're, you're hearing him unpack what he's done in front of the judge. And the judge, his uh, maximum sentence is 20. His minimum is 7. And so the judge, um, she, she called several of us to come up and talk about the transformation of this man. We walked up. And so, so she, in essence, gave him a gift, a seven-year sentence to hear this man talk. What was a boy talking like a man, looking, thanking the judge for her graciousness on the way out the door, thanking the people that came to support, on his way to serve seven years in jail, that was a man, used to be a boy. Praise God for the work that God does because he breathed in our nostrils. And if we would allow the Holy Spirit to indwell him, perhaps me and you, fellas in the room, but everybody will handle our business. And it was like it was this amazing gospel story. I got over to an elder meeting that we had that night, which, by the way, you, you might not even know who the elders are here because they do a lot of this uh, sacrificially and quietly. They don't need to have their name addressed a whole lot. They carry weight for you and for this church. So it's always fun to be with them and pray. I always feel like the weight on me comes off and they share it. Two college boys, men, boys, one of them, Ben, they, they drove a significant distance to come to our elder meeting because both of them had a pretty significant physical issue and they wanted to be prayed over. They asked if we'd anoint them at all because that's what the Bible says. Praise God. 
<laughs> I told man, we might have some motor oil in the garage. I was messing with him, but like we, we went and actually got some legit oil, and we put it on their foreheads, and the elders put their hands on them and prayed over them. There's two young men acting like men, recognizing that there's something bigger than just their body. <laughs> but I was looking at one of those guys. I'm like, boy, I wish, wish my body looked like that, <laughs> feeling like you are, right? Like, but he wanted to be healed. After that, I ran back to the house, and young, young father met me at the house, and we went through a chapter in Ephesians, and it was a joy. He knew it way better than I did. Trying to lead his family well, trying to cultivate the soil around him. That's what we're doing here. It's a privilege to be a part of it. There's a little word in there. It's this word cultivate. NLT says tend and watch over it. Uh, New American Standard uses the word cultivate, so you think of all the work now. God makes this garden. I got a feeling the soil was pretty good. It's probably better than that good soil you can buy at Walmart. Like it really good soil. Stuff's growing. Trees are growing. And then he passes on the responsibility to who? Fellas, he passed it on to you, to Adam. He says, take care of this, tend it, cultivate it, fertilize it, make sure it's watered enough. If you've got to divert the water from that stream over here so that's cultivated enough, then, then divert the water. Handle it. What a gift. Everybody talks about work like it's a curse. It's a gift. Matter of fact, that's why some of us work too much because it's such a gift. So we have to keep some tension with it, with our responsibility. But he says, hey, go to work, Adam. Get this thing done. And by the way, it's underrated when a man provides for his family. What I'm talking about, Yeah. When a man provides for a family, that's a good thing. It's not about who makes more money at the house. It's about the man being willing to carry that responsibility and provide so that the things around him would thrive. My fourth son graduated high school. He didn't want to go to graduation. I was so glad. Anybody else like don't want to go to graduation? Because he wanted to take a job in uh, Alaska at a uh, salmon cannery. So he and his older brother, they're going to go to Alaska for a little adventure in Sam McCannery, and they're telling me what this job's going to be like. And they said every month they cut the people who aren't working hard. <laughs> you know what every dad ought to say right there? You better not get cut. Exactly what I said. You better not get cut. I'll see you when school starts. Sure enough, man, they, <laughs> they did not get cut. You know how that makes the old man feel? That's what I'm talking about. And they came back proud. They tell stories. Evidently, Elijah's 6'3", and there's this space where you need a smaller man to get into to, in the freezer. I, they got this story. You can ask them about it. And, and he's the only one willing to. And so he goes in. I'm like, that's my son. Look at that. That's somebody who can carry a little weight. Might make a difference in the world because he can work. Single guys, 168 hours in a week. I hope you only sleep 50. Right? I don't see anybody agreeing. Like, I hope you only sleep 50. That leaves you 118 hours in the week. That means I'm, most of y'all work about 45. If you work 60, we like you. Right? That's, that's a good thing. You're like, no, it's not all about. No, it's not all about work, but there's all this fulfillment in work. You work 45, you still got 73 hours to do something. Probably something other than Xbox. Like, there's all this stuff in your hands that you could give away. Think about the single moms in here struggling to pay their bills. You could help them. What a gift. Boy, you, you can feel it. 
works this gift to mankind. First Timothy says something really strong. He says this, but those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. NLT says those people are worse than unbelievers. Another translation, infidels. So uh, men in the room, let me just say, it's your responsibility to provide, which means you do what it takes. Verses go on. We got a bunch of single moms here, and I, man, I, I never want to miss you guys when we're talking. He says a widow is put on the list for support must be a woman who's at least 60 years old and was faithful to her husband. She must be well-respected by everyone because of the good she's done. Has she brought up her children well? Has she been kind to strangers and served other believers humbly? Has she helped those who are in trouble? Has she always been ready to do good? Back in those days, man, if your husband passed away and you're a widow or he left you, you were in trouble financially. And so he's just giving advice. And what, what I get to see in our culture often are single moms who are handling their business. Provision is not just a male thing. It's male and female. Single moms handling their business and providing for their families. And let me just say, we're with you. You need something. We got some fellas in here that would love to help. But thank you for your hard work and carrying all that weight. It was designed to be carried together. But when you carry it alone, we, we celebrate your strength. Thank you. Thank you, moms. And if you're a son of one of those moms or a daughter of one of those moms, you probably ought to be sending her a text right now. But it's not just about providing shoes, right? Because then we go to school and we compare shoes. Not just about the school your kid goes to. It's about their souls. It's bigger than what they got and whether you're just paying the bills. But I'm not underrating paying the bills. I'm just saying it's bigger than that. It, it, it regard, it's about where their souls are going and who they are. Are you blessing their souls? Have you cultivated your kids' souls? I like to use the word provision. Like, do you have a vision for your home? Reeves House, and we started, started before I was married, by the way, single guys. There's this one family that I watched. I always talk about this portrait I have up on the wall of the Leverance family. When I was a single guy, I wanted to get with Keith Leverance anywhere, anytime I could. So I tried to pay for his meal. I tried to get in front of him. I wanted to ask him questions about how did, how did that family, how did you do that? I liked the way he lived. I liked who he was. I liked his, he wasn't perfect. I can tell you his flaws at this point because we had so many hours together, but I needed a picture of where I was going. And it's almost as if the Lever, Leverance family portrait was on the wall at my house. I still remember him. He said, he's Pretty simple, which worked great for me. How, how do you raise kids? You spank them a lot and you hug them a lot. Well, that ain't complicated. I might be able to figure that out, right? Like, he, uh, he prayed with me all the time. and He prayed in some kind of real way that I had never experienced before. It wasn't memorized. It was, it was transparent, and he would confess his sin. And right there in front of a guy 25 years younger than him, just put it out in front of me. And I was like, that's what a man looks like shared it with me and gave me this vision for a family that I didn't even have. So that when Cheryl comes along, I'm looking at that picture and I'm wondering if she could, could she and I partner to do that. Could we do that? And then we have, a, a, you know, a little rascal coming to the house. What was that he said about spanking a lot and hugging a lot? How does that work out? Because I ain't never hugged in my life. Spanking kind of came easy to me, but hugging, that was difficult. How does that work out? And how do we keep that from ever being abusive and beautiful instead where we establish these lines that work out? It meant that I had to be there 
I couldn't just offload the kids onto Cheryl because this Cheryl makes 90% of the, the uh, decisions in that picture, right? Like, see, I don't care about a lot of details. The color of the, our house is paint. I don't even know what it is. You can ask her after if you want to. Like, but she, she makes a lot of those decisions. But at the end of the day, what this family becomes and who we are and what the radius around us looks like, it's on me. And that's a gift. We do it together. But it's a gift for me to push our family that way. I still remember that sweet boy y'all just heard about breaking down on the highway. He's about six. Cheryl makes like the best mashed potatoes on the planet. No offense, anybody. And uh, he wouldn't eat mashed potatoes. Matter of fact, Cheryl had to verify this. As I recall, he threw up on the table. You know the throw up, it's the fake throw up. That ain't the real throw up. Like when it's the real throw up, you got to take that serious. So ease up on me, mom. It's like this is the fake throw up. And Cheryl, my girl, like, she got a little fire to her, just so, so you know. When she looked at me, she gave me that fire look. I'm like, give him. I didn't throw up on the daggone table. That's what I want to say. That's passive, right? I ain't throw up. That's your idiot kid, right? Like, no, idiot. We don't say idiot about our children, never. Anyway, there's this, uh, he threw up, but I knew I better handle my business. So we cleaned up the mess. I went and got the biggest bowl we had. I filled that thing up with mashed potatoes just like that. And I said, I'll see you when you're done. And I said it like dad say it. Cheryl couldn't say it like that. I said it. Guess what? That boy loves some mashed potatoes now. <laughs> Look him up. Some of y'all are like, man, that, that, you know what? That's why we need both of us in there. And again, single moms, this is, we have a couple single dads that handle their business. Thank you for carrying it all. It's fun to carry it together. It's my job. I'm protecting that vision. I don't want my kid to be off at college right now. That boy's eating so much because all the other kids there don't like the school food. So he gets all their food. You're like, yeah, that's cool, man. I'm not paying for him to go eat. He's eating the school food. Got him a little fridge, stuck in his room. He goes, man, everything left over, I'll just take back to the fridge because he likes it. He's forced to, but he likes it. I said a minute ago, man, provision is certainly something shared between men and women. Fellas, you got to feel like it's your responsibility at the end. We have lots of ladies that make way more money than the men in this room, so praise God for that, right? Ain't nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, if something goes down, who's going to step up? What a, what a great weight to carry, fellas. Man, we had kids. Cheryl and I decided she wasn't going to work. Really more her decision than mine. We decided, hey, in order to get this thing to thrive, she's not going to work. And so we just live with less. That's a big decision. I'm not telling you that's the right decision for you. I'm telling you that was part of my job. If I'm looking at this portrait and I want to make sure everything in it's thriving, what are we, how are we going to do it? So that's what we did. All of that stuff kind of lands, and we, we work on it. That same sweet boy, Malachi, at 14, I was listening to the tape. The last time we did this, he didn't have a cell phone because we gave cell phones at 14. And I just need to tell you, man, little middle school kids can't tell you how to run your house, fellas. Just because everybody else got a cell phone don't mean your kid needs one. Like, you're the man in the house. How's a little girl over there that's 13 years old going to tell you what kind of phone your son needs to have? It's just one of those decisions we made, he made with us, we worked on it. But most of us are so distracted about what's going on in the world, we can't see that stuff. Some of y'all are so worried about what's going on in the White House, you ain't looked at your house in a long time. We sure heck don't want you leading the country, right? Because like, we need to lead our own house. Some of y'all are so worked up about what the team did yesterday, you ain't looked at your team lately. You got some advice for Dabo or poor Coach Beamer who just got started. 
You've been here a while, like single guys. What's happening in your radius? Are things flourishing? You're like, I don't have a family. It'll flourish when I get a family. No, no, you got the opportunity to make stuff flourish right now. On your job, that little radius where you work, you know the people you could bless on that. You're like, it's a toxic environment. Well, then change it. You're a man. Change it. What if, ladies, we're going to get to you, don't worry. But what if 500 men, 800 men, however many we have at Radius, we assumed sacrificial responsibility for the Midlands. What would that look like? We try to create all kinds of excess, give it away, wouldn't we? We disciple people because we make time to take what we've been learning and give it to the next person, you times two. Our groups would be a really healthy place. Let me just be straight with you. Groups are uncomfortable for me too. But when I bring my energy to it, it makes it so much better. Our churches would multiply because they'd be alive. We'd have plenty of money to take care of this town. Look forward to talking more. We'll, we'll get to, I didn't get a whole lot of time on provide, but we'll get protect and pursue, which will be fun in the next two weeks. But I want to remind you, every Sunday, we ain't never going to forget who the better man is. We put pressure on us as men. If you're new to Radius, this is who we are. We're going to pressure the man. That's what we do. But that's the better man. The better man. When you think of gladly assuming, he gladly went to the cross because he loved you. He wanted that responsibility, and he took your responsibility on the cross, and he was crushed for your iniquity, for your sins, so that we could come in here and flourish as the people of God, because he set us free and enabled us to house the Holy Spirit in our souls. That's supposed to change everything. Love y'all. Let's pray. Jesus, listen to us as we worship. We recognize you as the great king that came to the very people he created and made a way for us to have life. Thank you. You know us men in the room and how you made us. Help us, Lord. You know us. Just We're really tempted to be passive, to whine and to blame, and to look for somebody else that might have messed something up. Help us. Give us energy to fertilize the soil that we're responsible for and bless those in our radius and cause things to flourish. Recognize we can't do that in and of ourselves, that We can only do that out of the overflow of what your spirit does in us. Even as we worship now, Lord, as we uh, willingly come down and take bread and juice and remember your broken body, please work on us on the inside. Help us take another step toward looking like what you meant for us to be. We want to be biblically masculine, Lord. We do not want to be distracted by all the other definitions floating out there. Trust you in Jesus' name. Amen.